Do you love listening to the tarot diagnosis? Would you like more of it in your life? Come visit our shop where you can buy a growing collection of mini courses, guidebooks, and soon to be much, much more. It's a great way to expand your own tarot practice, check in with your mental health, and support our work. Just go to thetarotdiagnosis.com and click the shop link. We're so grateful for your support. You're listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who train together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Luna. So today we're talking, it's so funny, last week we talked about a topic that I was gung-ho on and that you were not, and this week it's in reverse, so we'll see what happens. This week we are going to be talking about people-pleasing. Yeah, I feel like a lot of us can relate to this one way or another, or at some point in our life. Yeah, you know, because I think that it's ubiquitous. I think that a lot of people either feel like they have... Uh, a relationship with people pleasing or that they are a people pleaser, or at least they know somebody who is. And I think that it kind of, um, it bugs me a little bit because I think that the automatic knee jerk response is that it's a bad thing. And right. I push back on that. I don't think it's a bad thing to want to please people. It's just a question of when it becomes unhealthy. Yeah. You and I were both on the same page because <laughs> we were both like, okay, how do we make sure we don't over pathologize this? And <laughs> I had like wanted to touch on that. And then before we even started recording, you were like, Hey, I want to make sure we don't super pathologize this. And I was like, me too. Um, and yeah, we do need to be careful. Cause I think, you know, at our core as humans, you know, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. I feel like, you know, being, like tribal by nature we are driven to care for each other and you know you're right sometimes it's not negative to want to make other people happy and to say yes to people um you know it really only becomes detrimental when it starts to negatively impact our own life and our own ability to to function I think you just said that exactly right I mean it's like I th and I think that we see this particularly in terms of relationship type issues that the maladaptive behavior gets called out and rightfully so because it's like this is a problem for a lot of people. But then it just kind of becomes this umbrella of if you do this, if you people please or if you sort of have um, a quote unquote codependent relationship with your partner, mm -hmm. like that's another one that I see sort of this like I don't want to have a codependent relationship. It's like, yeah, but you do have a relationship that I think yeah. that we just kind of too quickly slam it as being a bad thing and being a people pleaser can be lovely. It's a nice way to live in some ways. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's interesting. You brought up the word codependent because I toyed with that. I'm like, Oh, I, I feel like that's a whole episode on itself. And I don't want to necessarily spend too much time talking mm -hmm. about codependence in terms of people pleasing, because yeah, I feel like there's so many things that could be said on, on both ends of that. But there is also this term that someone coined, I always forget their name, um, but it's pro-dependence. And it is more of this like positive spin on like, you know, kind of that people pleasing aspect in relationships that could be seen as codependence, but um you know, at the end of the day, you're right. Like we don't want to think we're not allowed to make people happy and that because then it leads the other end of the spectrum. We just become, you know, self-righteous and it's just all about like what we need and screw what you need. You, I'm going to make myself happy and I'm not going to do anything in this relationship. Um, right. that's not healthy either. That's, I, I love the way you just set that up. That's exactly right. And I have 20 things to say, but I'm going to withhold my desire to say something and say, we should probably pull a card before I start spewing. I was, yeah, I know, right? Because we'll just like, yeah, yeah, let's pull yeah. a card. <laughs> so I think we decided that we're going to ask uh, just simply, what do we need to think about in terms of people pleasing? Yes. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> what did you pull? Um, I pulled the four of swords reversed. Oh. And yeah, I, so I, there, I feel like I have a few things to say about it. I'm, I'm really excited about the card, actually. Um, 
and it totally makes sense because it's you know when we're people when we're dealing with people pleasing it's almost like when we're dealing with people pleasing and it's uncomfortable for us and it is this detrimental aspect not this kind of positive aspect that we were talking about a minute ago it's as if our mind and our bodies are out of alignment and there's this like there's this dichotomy like my body's exhausted I can't take on another responsibility but my mind is telling me if I don't this person who's asked me to do this thing will be upset with me and I can't handle that Mm -hmm. um and I I love this the image of this card reversed so much because upright with the four of swords it's almost like the the swords are like this cage right and it's saying like you can't move until you've rested otherwise you'll risk getting hurt from the blades so lay down and rest (laughs) um but the reversed four of swords is like it's honestly kind of painful to look at you it's like Mm -hmm. uh you're about to fall flat on your stomach and be impaled by these four blades you know, which, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, this dichotomy, this woman in this image, she's covering her eyes and her stomach. So she's got one hand over her head and one hand over her midsection, which I think is this like beautiful interpretation of the mind and the body um, and representing, you know, that level of disconnect. But, you know, what we need to know about people pleasing is that it is this like, this experience of, oh my God, if I don't do what my body is urging me to do and my brain is saying I should do, something bad could happen. But at the same time, like if I don't allow myself to check in with what I need, like I'm getting hurt either way. It's a powerful card for this. It is. That's such an interesting... Which deck are you using? Oh yeah, Modern Witch Tarot. Oh, okay. That is so interesting because it is uh, what you're describing as a, a classic image with a twist. Yeah. The one I'm looking at has a stained glass window mm-hmm. and like yours might have that as well, which makes me think of the word martyr, which mm. I, like once again, we get into an interesting yeah. linguistic territory because that is a word that culturally today we use to mean uh, somebody who is grossly self-sacrificing yeah. and, and almost attention seeking. But traditionally being a martyr was something that was, you know, like... Uh, like a good thing. Like that's right. amazing that you were willing to sacrifice yourself for something that was bigger than you. And I think that this is kind of the struggle that a lot of people who struggle with people pleasing run into of, is this unhealthy or mm-hmm. is this um, like a good thing? It all, and right. you know, like this idea, like I actually got a little sick in my stomach when you first started talking about it and I like had yeah. to go and look for the card. The four of swords reminds me of the exhaustion of it. Mm-hmm. It made me think back to sort of having babies and this sort of like 3 a.m. crying kid <laughs> yeah. of like, I haven't slept and yet I have to get up. Mm-hmm. And that is a situation where like you really have to and like you hate being the baby pleaser. Right. Um, but then how that translates, I think, often actually for, for mothers and for parents into this um, compulsion to wanting to constantly please our kids. And when does it become an unhealthy behavior versus just good parenting? It's a really good interpretation of that. And it's interesting because, you know, I think people also tend to say like, oh, you're, you're the best parent if you sacrifice the most. Right. And that's actually detrimental (laughs) Um, because you need to show your children that, you know, you also have boundaries and you also have needs. But I think that happens like that relationship and that people pleasing or that baby pleasing changes over time. Like, of course, like you have to get up at 2 a.m. You have to get up at 4 a.m. and feed mm-hmm. the baby. But as they get older and they become more self-sufficient, that that dichotomy that I was talking about earlier starts to starts to go away. And it's not so much, um, it's not as present. Right. I mean, and that's, I think, an interesting part of parenthood is understanding that it has to change, but there's nobody who shows up and knocks on your door and is like, by the way, now is the time when like you have to kind of feel it out and it goes backwards. Like your kid who was totally independent might have a regression, which is normal. And like now all of a sudden needs to be coddled again. Boy, like this is exhausting. Right. Yeah. A lot, a lot happening in this card. Yeah. What did you pull? 
Um, I pulled seven of cups. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Oh, okay. This is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think it's the other side of it. This feels like yeah. the, the more the maladaptive, unhealthy version of people pleasing because it or actually, depending on how you look at it, more like what you were talking about earlier, sort of the repulsion against people pleasing and becoming all about me. This is a card that is about check your own thinking is what you're thinking about all these little cups floating in the sky with all of their treasures and monsters within them. That's just an idea that's just in your head. So it's so easy to fall into a people pleasing behavior of, oh no, if I don't you know, bring snacks for my kids, they're going to be upset. (laughs) Like maybe they're not hungry. Maybe it's not a big deal, but you got it in your head or maybe, oh no, I didn't call that friend back. They're so angry at me. No. Or the reverse could be, you know, like me, me, me. Well, I want this. I want that. And sort of not being able to be thoughtful about other people's ideas because you're so focused on the cup that you want. Such an interesting interpretation for that. And I think it's it's totally right. It also, for some reason, I keep thinking of the concept within people pleasing of like self-worth, like with, with mm. this card, mm-hmm. um, because it's almost like when you see like all these cups, you know, and like filled with all these goodies, it's like, okay, well, if I tend to this cup that this person asked me to tend to, that means I'll get to feel blank about myself. And then if I tend to this cup, like that means I'll get to, this person will view me as, you know, whatever. Um, it's almost like all these cups like represent all these cups that belong to someone else that are, they're asking you to tend to, for example, um, define different parts of you and give different parts of you value, which is, you know, also maladaptive because you're basically saying, well, my self-worth depends on what I can do for other people. See, and I think that this is where it gets so confusing because I think that that is the message that we get about people pleasing. The idea that if you are somebody who tends to lean towards being a person who likes to please other people, then the automatic assumption is that you have low self-worth or that you have a self-esteem problem. And I think that that can be a confusing message because then Mm -hmm. if there is somebody who is actually just naturally like very giving and loving and sort of like wants to like gets pleasure out of making other people happy, they start to think, oh dear, am I? Do I have low self-esteem? Oh no. Mm -hmm. Am I doing this because I have low self-worth? And the answer is like, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Yeah. It's like, are you, well, I mean, are you doing all these awesome things for other people and also doing awesome things for yourself? Are you only doing awesome things for other people? It kind of makes me think, so this morning I'm I'm in the car and I realized that there are probably like two types of people pleasers. I think that's kind of where we're headed into talking about like people pleasing right now. Cause it's like, I feel like there are overt people pleasers, which is basically what you're saying. Like these people who are like, kind of like the yes people excited to be involved, excited to be helpful. Um, and then there's the like covert people pleasers, which I think is, if we're going to talk about what's healthy and what's not healthy, I think the covert people pleasers would be the people who fall in the maladaptive spectrum of this, Mm. because, you know, if you're looking at, you know, overt versus covert overt are the, the, you know, the stereotypical ones, like I just said, but like covert people are going to be the ones who are saying yes and doing things, but like begrudgingly and will almost be passive aggressive about it or feel incredibly resentful like while they're doing it or after they do it. And that's when it's problematic because it's like, okay, why are you actually doing this then? Because no one should be doing something that they don't actually want to do if it's not some sort of like, you know, life obligation or whatever, you know. Um, So I think that's where like the difference comes in. Like, are you someone who's just naturally like bubbly and like gets in there and is like, yeah, let's get, let's get this thing done. Um, or are you someone who feels like, you know, they have to do this thing, but they're pissed off at you that you would ask because they can't say no. Okay. So I want to loop back to the idea of can't say no, but Mm -hmm. before we get into that, I mean, I think, um, an interesting framework to think about this in is through Enneagram. I don't feel like we've talked about Enneagram, at least not for a long time. Only when we did typology, which was definitely a while ago. Oh, okay. Um, So Enneagram, if you haven't looked at it, it's spelt weird. It's spelt with an E. So like, and if you try typing in something in Google, you'll find it. It's a personality typing and there's nine different types. And uh, this type two is called the helper. 
And what's interesting about Enneagram is in all the nine types of, of personalities, there's sort of um, a light side and a shadow side. And it's just sort of known and accepted. And it sort of can call out what it looks like when it's healthy and what it looks like when it's unhealthy. So type two is called the helper. And the helper is somebody who genuinely enjoys being helpful to people, like really yeah. loves being a giver. I mean, like, I guess sort of a modern translation of this would be sort of the five love languages, somebody who loves yeah. acts of service. But yeah. the problem is that if that person sort of hasn't come to terms with their identity as a helper, then it can sort of become a, I don't know why I'm doing this. And they yes. can, when they're not um, in alignment with their identity, they can become in the most maladaptive form, they can become um, an unhealthy version of an eight, which is like really aggressive and like super mm -hmm. angry. Like, and yeah. I think we've all had the experience of this. Oh, well, I'm hoping some people haven't of like somebody coming in, like yelling at you, be like, I did all these things for you. <laughs> I moved my car for you. And I like switched the toothbrushes for you. And you never say thank you. And you're like, I, I mean, like, that's all you. I didn't ask you to do any of that. Right. Whereas the healthy version of the helper is somebody who like truly loves being a helper, who truly mm -hmm. loves acts of service and then does do what you're saying. Like the healthy version is the four, which is the idealist that they take some time to kind of be by themselves or to unwind or to be in beauty or to be in nature and to have some time for self-reflection. And so if you see an unhealthy two, the, the solve for it is to say, start acting like a healthy four. Yeah, you know, everything that you're saying is so beautiful. And the word moderation just keeps like swirling mm. around in my brain. Like that's what it boils down to. Like just a lot like everything in life, like everything in moderation. Um, and I love that you brought Enneagram into this too, because the the helper is also known as like the host. And like, it's interesting because you can probably find bits and pieces of yourself in all the Enneagrams, like personality types. Um, but I, you know, you also have to be careful too that what you're doing isn't making other people uncomfortable. Um, so I know like for me, I love to host things and that's normally like that could be something that people could pathologize, but it's something that I know about myself and that people who come to my house know, like I will overfeed you. It will be a beautiful spread and we will have lots of fun. <laughs> and when some people are like, Oh my gosh, you don't have to do this. Like, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I'm doing this because I want to, I know I don't have to do this. I know that you'd be fine if I ordered a $15 pizza, like, but I'm choosing to like feed you all this like awesome, like cute food that I put together creatively, um, versus, you know, if I felt stressed that people were coming over and I was like, oh my God, they're only allowed to eat this type of food and they can only have like, you know, I don't know, bottled water or like whatever. Like there's a difference between like what's healthy and, and what's not. And what you're saying is as long as you know yourself and you're checking in, like that's what's, that's what matters. So yes, everything in moderation and spending time to reflect, why am I doing this? What purpose does this serve? Is this maladaptive or is this healthy? Is this hurting me or is it helping me? I mean, everything you just said, so I, I love, and I also kind of want to come to your house because like that sounds like <laughs> lovely. It's too bad we're states away. Um, one day. <laughs> yeah, one day we'll make that happen. I mean, so like just shout out to Temperance Card. Because, yeah. yeah, like everything in moderation and being able to find that place. I think um, I also just grabbed the, um, the Empress because I think that mm. like that's um, a good ideal. If like somebody who's a helper, who's a people pleaser might sort of identify with wanting to be in this role of the Empress of this like loving, giving, um, like beautiful person sitting on a throne with her like great orb scepter and like here abundance and like <laughs> who doesn't love the emperor i mean like what a yeah. wonderful figure like that's a, a delight the problem is when we layer onto the empress that seven of cups of mm -hmm. i'm supposed to be or people expect yes. or like this is what i need to do you know and kind of a, a worry of like maybe a five of wands if i don't perform exactly yes. like the empress then people are going to get angry. That's yes. where it becomes a problem because that's just in your head. Or if it's not in your head, um, maybe you need to choose different people. You are so right. 
And I think that's the other part of, you know, the, the maladaptive side of people pleasing is when you feel like you can't say no because you're fearing or avoiding some form of conflict. And like you said, is that conflict real? Is it actually going to happen? Or is it something that you're just afraid of? That is something, you know, the narrative that you've created, you know, and along with fear of conflict comes fear of causing harm or suffering to other people. And so we don't want to hurt people. And so a lot of times when you're in this maladaptive realm of people pleasing, you feel like you can't say no, because you feel like if you say no, then you're going to be responsible for the suffering of someone else. Um, and that takes a while to heal from if you're someone who's existed in that space for a long time. Yeah. So I mean, like a perfect storm of somebody who needs to maybe do some work is somebody who's naturally a helper type or a people pleaser type um, or a, a giver. Mm-hmm. And they're raised in a household where they're constantly criticized and pulled down. That's going to be a conflict of, I know I need to develop greater self-worth. At the same time, I have this tendency of enjoying being a pleaser. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know where the healthy boundaries are. Oh, yeah. And see, now you're, oh, this is so, so I love doing this podcast with you because it's like, in one way that being a people pleaser could be healing everything. Like something you just said made me think of the healing aspect of that. Like if you come from a family environment where like, you know, you can't do anything right and, you know, conflict is high and then you find that you do have worth and value in helping other people outside of your family that can can heal this side of you that you learned when you were younger um, was incapable or, inval- or not valuable or not worthy. And I think that's why we wanted to be careful not to pathologize this because um, it could be helpful for many people. Totally. I mean, so, I mean, like that goes back to, to Carl Jung's theory of uh, the wounded he- healer. Yes. That, yeah. you know, like, having your own pain is what is actually helpful to other people because you can feel yes, it. Um, exactly. I would say, I, mean, like, I kind of paused and was like, do I actually want to say this or not? But like, I feel like I may as well just acknowledge mm-hmm. sometimes when we're talking, uh, we can sort of say things because we've learned about it from watching other people. And sometimes we can say things and express an experience because it's more personal. In my, like we're yeah. kind of describing me right now. Like this is I my I was life. thinking about that. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I'm not going to say this, but this is Luna. <laughs> I may <laughs> like, as well just acknowledge it. Yeah. And I think that this is why I love Three of Swords. Like, yes, it's such a, like, I'm holding it gently in my hands right now. Yeah. Um, because three of sort, like the problem is, is if you come from a, a background of criticism and you're a loving, caring, giving person, which I suddenly I'm like very self-conscious of, like, I hope I'm not making myself sound, so, <laughs> but like naturally I'm a giver. That's the way I right. am. Um, it really can be a heartbreak. It can really like, like being stabbed in the heart. And I love Three of Swords because it just expresses that such a violent card. You pull it out and there's like this heart with like swords being jammed in it. It's like awful. But the idea that we can turn it upside down, that the swords can be released, that there's room for healing if you've gone through it. And after that healing, sometimes you come back stronger. I love that you brought the Three of Swords in and in your description of Three of Swords and reversing it. Like it's one of my favorite things. And I, I talk about it like whenever I can, when I'm talking about three of swords. Um, and, you know, I'm also thinking about this card for, you know, when you're in this space of people pleasing and you're trying to figure out, am I doing this because this, this is something I want to do, or this is something that I feel like I have to do. I feel like you could even look at the three of swords or reflect on the three of swords for a question like that, because it's like, okay, well, is this causing me pain or is this going to cause me to heal? Is this upright three of swords or is this a reversed three of swords? Like, is this going to, this thing that I'm doing going to allow the swords to fall out of my heart and, and help those wounds to, to close up and heal? Or is what I'm doing actively going to puncture my heart? Um, and I think that's exactly like what you were, you were just talking about in terms of being able to, pull the three of swords and then reverse it and watch the swords fall out. 
I love what you just said. And like, I'm trying to be clever and come up with something brilliantly at the moment. Like maybe this will be the spread that we offer in the newsletter. But I mean, I think it's a beautiful invitation actually to anyone listening to this. If this is striking a chord with you, grab the three of swords and like create your own spread for it or create your own ritual for this. Um, I, I mean, like, I would love to hear how people end up utilizing that because I think you just described that so beautifully. Um, the other card that's grabbing my attention right now is the sun. Um, mm. I, I do enjoy the sun card. I know that sometimes it's annoying because it's like <laughs> so, so positive. But, you know, like this kid on this horse, like naked, like, woohoo, like, and there's big red, like, scarf flapping in the breeze. Yeah. Like, I just think like, it's such a like radiant, exciting card. I think that that's another card that we can use here is like because. When somebody asks me to do something, I can sort of check real quick. Does this actually, does this give me any pleasure to do this? And the Mm -hmm. answer is like, like getting a glimpse into a fairly healthy people pleaser mind is that I can sort of check like when, when my son today told me, as I told you before, like last minute that uh, my entire afternoon had to be rearranged because he wanted to attend a club after school. Honest to God, my first reaction is son, because I was just so happy for him. Like I was genuinely happy for him. And the annoyance of having to rearrange my afternoon, that was secondary. But that's not Mm -hmm. always true. Sometimes people ask me to do something. I'm like, that's a pain. I don't want to do that. So I think that that's a good card to sort of like envision, like, is this ask or is this mm, impulse to help? Is it coming from a place of it delights me or is it coming from a place of obligation? Mm. And is it possible to be a little bit of both at the same time? Yeah. (laughs) Well said. I think in this case it is. Yeah. You know, I love that you brought up the sun, actually, even though, yes, it's one of those cards where I'm like, it's too easy. It's too positive. And obviously, I should probably do some work around that mindset. Um, But the sun is a lot about being in alignment with yourself. And I think... When we're in this maladaptive place of of people pleasing, we're not in alignment with ourselves. And the goal is to figure out, okay, how can I be true to myself? And also not going back to the not pathologizing the people pleasing. And um, a card that I've pulled recently that I'm thinking about now is Page of Pentacles. So it's like also goes back to like identity and people pleasing and and setting boundaries because in instances when we feel like we should say yes, but we know that we don't have the capacity to say yes. And of course, maybe not in the situation like with your son, because, you know, that's also like both where it's an obligation. But when we start setting boundaries and limits where we would have to say no to something, it can feel terrifying. And we could feel like shit about it because we're creating these limits, but also starting to change the dynamics of relationships. So maybe like, you know, it's not your son asking you to rearrange your afternoon. It's like a friend or a coworker or something. And then it's like, oh, normally I would always say yes to this person, but today I just don't have the capacity, but I feel like I have to say yes because what if then they get upset or, you know, so many what ifs. And then you have to worry about like changing the dynamics and, you know, embracing something new like that can be super overwhelming. But I think the page of pentacles is just like kind of like sweet, gentle reminder that we're still who we are at our core and we're still a good person. We're still someone who enjoys helping others and making people happy, even when, you know, we set boundaries for ourselves and set limits. And if anything, like the relationships that we have with people can then become strengthened in the process. I hope that makes sense. I made total sense. Like, yeah, brilliant what you're saying. The cards that just ended up in my lap are reversed seven of swords, mm. because I think that that's another card to kind of ask ourselves, like, am I kidding myself about this? Right. Do I actually want to have lunch with this person? <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. Like that's a common one of like, uh, like, this person's been my friend for so long and I have this relation, but like actually don't want to hang out with them anymore. Ugh. Mm. Having to look at the hard truth of that. And all right, how much are you kidding yourself? The other one is, is 10 of wands. 
I mean, the truth is sometimes we have an obligation. You know, and yeah, the Ten of Wands is so interesting, like how we haven't talked about Ten of Wands yet, but it's like, yeah, like that's the card, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and you saying obligation too. I'm also thinking about Ten of Wands in terms of why saying no is difficult because, you know, often we would rather when, when you're a people pleaser, you would rather deal with your own internal suffering than have to bear the burden right? Ten of wands Mm -hmm. of potentially letting someone down. And that's dangerous. This is kind of reminding me of the work of Carol Gilligan, who uh, I think was at Harvard in the 80s. And she um, was really famous for a while there because she pushed back on this model of morality that was created by somebody named Kohlberg. And if you ever took, you know, Psych 101, you probably read about Kohlberg, Mm -hmm. who created this, uh, it was a model for different types of morality, whether like I'm doing this because I'm worried I'm going to be punished or I'm doing this because it's the most right thing to do. And uh, Carol Gilligan was like, that's a really interesting model. Yes. And um, she believed that women and men actually had a sort of a different take on morality and that it needed to be considered because when you're talking to women, their reasons for doing stuff might be more because they don't want to displease other people and that maybe that's not actually unhealthy. Now we could get into whether that's society or biology. I mean, like I, I don't have answers for that, but I think it's worth kind of noting that this is something that people have researched and written about because typically not always and traditionally, and I don't know why, uh, women tend to, be a little bit more relationship driven and make Mm -hmm. decisions based a little bit more on relationships. Oh yeah. I mean, this is really interesting because I think looking at the gender differences in people pleasing is fascinating. And if we go back to evolution, like, yeah, like the, like women were expected to be the nurturers and the caretakers. So it would make sense that biologically, you know, we've, our, you know, our bodies are literally like formulated to, to nurture and to take, take care of people. Um, so it makes sense that that would then transfer to where we are today. You know, I think today we're starting to see that, you know, as we push for like equality across genders that we're not in this, you know, caveman, and hunter gatherer phase anymore where, you know, we don't have to solely rely on our biological sex to define whether or not we're, you know, supposed to be nurturers or people pleasers. And we're getting to this point where, um, you know, everyone can take on that role of, of caring for each other. And so, yeah, it's interesting to think about the biology and the evolution of, of this topic. And I think it's worth definitely spending some more time exploring I mean, I think so. I think that this is one of, we've just kind of gotten into a swampy terrain here. Um, that's very much yes. And, you know, like mm-hmm. to be able to sort of say like, why is that actually, we don't fully know, or we can sort of like take some guesses how much of this is nurture versus nature, which is like the constant question with all things in therapy world. Um, I, I think it's good to look at it and to think about it and question it. And also I think it's good to acknowledge that a lot of women do experience this a little differently than men. And that's a real lived experience too. Yeah. You know what I just pulled up that I think is an interesting pairing with this is, um, is the hermit and the three of cups. Cause it feels like, yeah. I mean, I feel like one of the things when we see people pleasing, uh, like, in a maladaptive way with somebody who is a little seven of cups, who is a little bit like they're doing it compulsively and out of fear. It feels like I have a binary choice. Mm -hmm. I can either have wonderful relationships where we all enjoy each other, but that means that I have to be this person or I'm isolated. And I think that Mm. the real work for people pleasers who sort of need to like find their balance is realizing that there's a spectrum. It's not just this or that, but there's a way to be able to do both. So I love that that's, yeah, where you're going. And I think that's the theme of this episode. So I just pulled out, um, so I just pulled a card because I was like, let's see what comes up. I pulled eight of swords. 
Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love this depiction on modern, the modern witch tarot, um, because the swords are a little bit more separated. So there's like, obviously a very clear path where like someone's walking in and out. Right. So it's like this, like clearly self-imposed trap that, that she's in. But I also love that she's standing in this like tiny puddle of water. Right. So like water typically (laughs) represents like emotions (laughs) and, you know, this is totally like an indication that it's not necessarily the people around you that are trapping you into like this mentality. Um, you know, it's the way you're thinking and and feeling about like your need to please them. And it goes back to, you know, what we've been saying, like, yeah, am I doing this thing for this person because I want to, or because I feel like I, I have to. Yeah. I feel like every card in the deck we could. Yeah. It's, it's every card. (laughs) It's literally like we could bring, which is so fascinating because, you know, it goes back to, I think this is also a normal part of the human experience because, you know, we, you and I have talked quite a bit lately on, on the podcast about the need to feel included and our fear of being outcasted and our fear of being isolated. Um, and you know, people pleasing is the antidote to isolation because then we're, we're seen as valuable in some way, or we're, fulfilling this need and this eliminating this fear that, you know, people will see us as, you know, not valuable or not needed. And so it would make sense that every card in the deck we could probably apply to this because the deck is about the human experience and, and like our, our journey. And I think, you know, going back to us not wanting to pathologize it, it's honestly a really like beautiful and powerful coping mechanism in a way, because it's our brain and our body's way of making sure that we're not alone in this world. I mean, yes to everything you just said. So lovely. I love that you pulled eight of swords. I love it. Um, I I think it brings up a a different area. We've sort of talked about the idea of people pleasing versus like, is it coming from a place of joy? Like, does it spark joy? Or (laughs) is it coming from a place of obligation? I'll give you a third one. Is it coming from a place of ego? Oh, right. right? We haven't talked about that. Yeah. Like how much of this, and I feel like if it's coming from a place of ego, you could probably do a little sniffing around and discover that it's because the ego is a little fragile and it's probably because there is a low self-worth in there somewhere, or like maybe it's a a maladaptive form of of narcissism, but um, like, like a positive form of narcissism exists. But you know, this idea of like, oh, I'm going to be the mighty self-sacrificing martyr type. I'm mm-hmm. the one who's doing everything. Look at me, poor me, praise me, worship yeah. me. Nobody can be as good as me. That could be variate of sorts. Yeah, that's actually a good point. And that is self-isolating because what's interesting about that is when you behave that way, you are doing the opposite of what you want. People are actually going to move away from you because they're going to get this like icky vibe. And they're not going to really want you around. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem that we see with um, with some clients. And I sort of see it ultra like this is where our, our podcast, I think, is interesting is because like we kind of keep threading the needle or trying to thread the needle. On the one hand, we absolutely do need to have a strong sense of identity, who mm-hmm. I am, who my true authentic self is how I want to be in the world. And yet also, if I become too attached to my concept of my identity, then I become isolated. And figuring out a way of saying I enjoy pleasing people or I enjoy being this kind of way in the world or I'm naturally this way without sort of putting it on like armor, whether it's people pleasing or anything else, that that's the good stuff when you can figure out how to do that. I, I love that you're bringing up identity again, and it's making me think of the death card because I think it's also important to know that, you know, our identity is and will continue to be fluid throughout our life. And so at some points, like we may be uh, one way, but, you know, we're, we're continually growing, we're, we're moving forward and backwards and sideways, like all the time. Um, and you know, even in terms of people pleasing, like I can think in my own personal life when I've been both an overt and covert people pleaser. Um, 
And now I'm at this point where I'm, I make sure like, you know, I'm, I'm hyper aware of whether or not it's beneficial to me or not. But, you know, I love that you're bringing up identity because so often we get wrapped up in what other people want and expect of us um, that we forget to check in and say, well, who am I really? And am I who I am today? Because I feel like that's who I've had to become or am I who I am today? Because it's genuinely like who I've evolved into in a way that serves me well. I mean, and we can layer that, right? How much of that is other people's expectations? How mm -hmm. much of that is our belief that other people expect something from us? And how much of it is about our own expectation for ourselves? And it's probably all. not even probably it is all. Yes. Um, so, and I, so I pulled a card, so I'm sitting over here as we talk and I'm not even like shuffling. I'm kind of just like, like pulling, like the, like cutting the deck and seeing what card is underneath. Mm -hmm. And I just pulled two of cups, which is oh. interesting. Yeah. Oh. Um, both upright and reversed. I love it actually for kind of what we're talking about, especially the direction we just went because, you know, I mean, well, I really wish I would have pulled the Ace of Cups <laughs> because that would have been like the, you know, but the Two of Cups, you know, very representative of, of or could be representative of people pleasing. And I think, you know, this like exchange between two people is something worth looking at because it's like, okay, am I only pouring into this person's cup? And, and then are they like standing there enjoying the cup and then walking away and then coming back for more? That goes back to the expectations we were just talking about. Or am I pouring into this person's cup when I have enough to give? And then, you know, when this person has enough to give, they're pouring back into my cup. Because um, that's that like ebb and flow and a healthy relationship that, that we want. I love how we've been, how two of cups keeps showing up. I think it's just yeah. like magical. And I think it's important to notice that like, the, again, the difference between two of cups and the lovers, we're not talking about the lovers, right. we're talking about relationship and give and take and the sort of the temperance moment of having a healthy relationship. And can we say that like in a healthy relationship, sometimes you're giving mm. that doesn't make it like, oh my God, this is crossing boundaries. Like sometimes you're giving in a healthy relationship, but sometimes you should be receiving. Exactly. And it's so funny. So I just like cut the deck and pulled another card and six of pentacles came out and it's like, oh yeah, just reaffirming everything right. we're talking right. about with giving. <laughs> Again, this goes back to like, literally we could pull every card and have something have something to say. I mean, I love everything about this conversation. I think we're really, um, I'm just so pleased with it. I'm so pleased with like the way we're talking about this because we haven't sort of done a traditional um, how to change your people pleasing behaviors. But I right. think that there's like <laughs> a little bit of room to kind of say, okay, but like, what if somebody's listening to this and they are a person who's like, okay, I am the type who compulsively pleases other people. I don't even check in with myself. I don't even know what I want. All I know is that I sort of feel 10 of wands all day long. Um, so what does that person do? Like, what are some ways we talked a little bit about this, like beautiful, uh, three of swords idea, yeah. but like, what are some other ways to strengthen that within yourself, your own sense of what is it that I want and how am I reacting to this? I think we let's, can we pull a card on that and see what comes up? Oh, that's brilliant. Let's do that. So let's ask, um, what should we ask? <laughs> um, what is a way that I can, what is a way that I can better learn myself so that I have healthy people pleasing behaviors? Okay. I pulled, um, nine of pentacles. Oh. which I think is great. Like you love that card. I love this card I so too. much. Yeah. And it's like a yes, please. And it like um, the surface level is obvious, but I actually think it's super challenging. If I were working yeah. with a client who was like, all I do is try to please be other people all day long. Um, and I actually have, like I've had this conversation. Sometimes I'm like, well, what is it that you want or that you like? Like essentially what would be nine of pentacles for you? Like not everyone wants to be standing in this garden holding a falcon, you know, like, I mean, mm -hmm. it looks cool, but it's not everybody's dream. And so often people are like, I don't even know. And I think yeah. that that is a great challenge of like, what is it 
actually that would please you. And sometimes I've even given people like the homework of like, I want you to like go on Pinterest, start a new Pinterest account, like fresh and see what pleases you, what pictures delight you as a way of kind of figuring out what is it that I I actually want or like. And this can actually be some serious work. Another way of handling that might be to engage in morning pages of sitting down and free writing three pages and just kind of seeing what comes out. Because I think a lot of people do get lost when they're stuck in sort of the rut of uh, being service oriented towards others all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like, it's interesting because our cards in your interpretation of the Nine of Pentacles actually kind of go together. I pulled judgment. Oh. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, a lot of what Luna is saying is kind of what I want to say about judgment, because it's all about like reflecting and evaluating like your life and yourself, like your needs and your wants. And, you know, I think, and and this card is, is perfect too, especially in terms of like, struggling with people pleasing because it's like okay you've gotten to this point where like yes this coping mechanism probably served you at some point and let's acknowledge that and be grateful for that but now it is no longer serving you so it's time to figure out what needs to happen moving forward so that you can grow in a healthier way um and it's also about like being able to be more in alignment with yourself, which is what we talked about earlier yourself and your needs and that can be really really difficult to figure out, which is why you're saying create it. I love that. Like create a new Pinterest account and just see what pleases you. It can be really overwhelming when you've kind of existed in this space of paying attention to what other people need and, and making sure that those needs are taken care of. And you haven't spent time thinking about your own needs and sitting down to do that isn't something that's going to come easy to you. And it's not something that is going to happen overnight. So starting in like very small, like increments and finding ways that you can maybe make time for yourself that you would have maybe made time for other people. A perfect example of this is when maybe someone calls you and asks if they can, you can do something for them tonight. And you would have normally dropped whatever you were doing and said, yes, something that you can practice is saying, you know, oh, I love that you thought of me to do this thing for you and that you, you trust me to do this thing for you. But unfortunately I've committed to something else tonight and that's going to feel really uncomfortable at first, especially if you don't technically have another commitment, but that commitment could be like you sitting on your porch, drinking a cup of coffee. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be some like actual big commitment that you've made to someone else. It could be a commitment that you made to yourself while this person asked you to do something. (laughs) Um, and practicing those little things add up over time and actually decrease the amount of discomfort that you feel, um, when you actually want to say no to someone and then say yes to yourself instead. I love everything you just said. I mean, like, really, we have to coach people on this sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I totally, yeah, I, I love giving people verbiage. Thank you for thinking of me. That's beautiful. I think that there might be another layer to judgment that is sort of swirling around. I don't know if it's fully formed yet, but I I do enjoy the judgment card. I think that it um, is challenging in all the right ways. Judgment can be, it's about alignment. Are you Mm -hmm. your best self? And I think that nine of, of pentacles is giving us this idea of how do I enjoy my physical life? Mm -hmm. Um, And really like take, take pleasure in being in this earthly body, which is like kind of cool. But judgment gives me pause of also like, am I spiritually in alignment? Because Mm. if we fall a little bit too much on I do what I want, which is not the person we were just talking about. But like, if we go that way of just kind of focusing on, but what do I want? What do I want? I think we also sort of need to balance that with this. But what do I feel like is the right thing to do? And then it gets really complicated because, well, do I feel like it's the right thing to do? because I've been programmed that way or because I've been gaslit into feeling this way Mm -hmm. or do I feel this way because truly spiritually I feel like this is the right thing to do and I think that what I just said is not something that is really embraced very much in our culture like I think that there's sort of a, a lot of no like you should take care of yourself like taking care of yourself sometimes is taking care of others because it's 
spiritually what you're supposed to do. That makes me think of need versus want. Yeah. And I like that you are, are saying, you know, some, sometimes, you know, what is good for us is actually being in, in service for other people. I mean, look at our careers. Yeah. <laughs> we are in service of for other people. I mean, even in this podcast, like you and I get so much joy out of like sharing this stuff for other people. It's so fun. So fun. And yeah. And I don't think that's maladaptive and, but it's, you know, at the same time though, I think you and I both get a lot out of it for ourselves. And at the same time, other people are getting a lot out of it. So it's, you know, it kind of reminds me back like of the two of cups, this like ebb and flow, this like, you know, we're both, you know, getting something we need and other people who listen to us and engage in our community are also getting something. And it's, it's really beautiful. It's so beautiful. I mean, and I think that that's the interesting thing that judgment card pulls up is sometimes we feel a calling that Mm -hmm. doesn't look like it makes sense. And other people might judge and even we might judge it and be like, I don't know about that. That seems kind of wacky. But mm-hmm. when you feel the calling, if if it's true, you should follow it. Yeah. And something that just popped up to me too, though, and I did want to model this for anyone who's listening is even when you're in like a field or a space or a mindset of, you know, serving others or being of service to others, being a helper, being a healer, it's still important to check in with yourself when maybe you're starting to feel burnt out and it's not bad to take a break. I mean, you've seen Luna and I do this where it's like, Hey, you know, we decided we just needed to rest. So we're not going to record a new episode this week. And, you know, I think in the beginning it was like, Oh no, I don't want to do that. I don't want people to be sad if we don't have another episode and people aren't sad. People are like, yeah, we're so glad you rested. Like hey, Nobody sent important. us an angry email about taking right? a week off. Right. <laughs> So it's like, you know, it's important to, you know, still check in with yourself and and know that you you're allowed to rest and you're allowed to take a break from helping other people. Um being aware of when you need that is important and I'm still trying to figure that out and and honor that and embrace that. It is very difficult. <laughs> um but it's definitely necessary. I mean, and welcome given that we're going to talk about every card in the deck. Hello two of pentacles. Yeah. Oh, that's been coming up a lot lately, especially for you, I feel like. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like finding balance is key. Yeah. I love that this is how we framed this conversation. Me too. Yeah. I love that it was not like your typical, like how to stop doing this. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it was a really fun conversation and I hope everyone who's, who's listening, um, got something enlightening out of it. Me too. Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at The Tarot Diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.